Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 226 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's mom. Today, I have the pleasure to speak with Cole's mom, Tootie. Now, Tootie is another one of those moms who had been listening to the podcast for a while and then just suddenly decided to write, feeling like maybe she could share her own story and her own Cole with the world. So I encourage all of you to do the same. If you've been thinking about sharing your story and not quite sure if you wanted to, just write me. Write me at Marcy, M-A-R-C-Y, at andysmom.com because I certainly love to hear stories and to tell stories of all of our wonderful children. I also want to take a little opportunity here to thank all of you who donated to the Always Andy's Mom podcast and charity at the end of the year. Those donations are really appreciated. One easy way to donate is through GiveButter, and they actually accept Venmo and PayPal payments that way. So it can be a pretty easy way to donate to any charity of your choice, actually, through GiveButter, not just the Always Andy's Mom. But know that your donations really are very, very well appreciated. So thank you for that. Right now, I want you to sit back and enjoy listening to Tootie, Cole's mom. Thank you so much, Tootie, for agreeing to come on the Always Andy's Mom podcast today. Thank you for having me. I am really looking forward to talking to you and hearing about your son, Cole. Thank you. Same here. So do you want to start out by just telling us a little bit about Cole? Sure. So Cole was, he was a really easy kid. He just yeah kind of did his own thing, didn't really bother anybody, but he was a very big personality. Okay. <laughs> Life of the party. He kept me entertained as well as many others. He had... I mean, just a slew of friends. I mean, everybody just loved him. And even as a child, he was just, he was an easy child, you know. And uh-huh. as he got older, he blossomed out because he used to be really shy. And he made up for lost time, definitely, on that way. Did he? Oh, yeah. He was so shy. And then it was like all of a sudden he got into these teenage years and he just lived it up from about really? the age of, Yes. Yes, he was kind of like a mama's boy, kind of clung to me. I mean, if he was around people, he knew he was okay. And then he just really blossomed. And I would say around when he got to high school. And he was just fun. And he was extremely handsome, of course. So, of course he was. I have actually seen pictures. He really is. That's just not your mama's heart. That's, he really is. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm like, my child is beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so when Cole was around, I think around seven or so, and I divorced and he handled it really well. And, you know, we got out on our own and he was just a little man of the house. And he just made me so proud. My mama heart was just full and he did an amazing job and he didn't really give me any trouble. It was just like 
I was like, this is really, you know, because we had different struggles, but, you know, different issues, but, you know, finances and stuff like that. But he was just like, he was just so easy. He wasn't yeah. part of the problem, like, you know. And so, um, and he got older and. Was he an only child? Yes. He is uh-huh. my only child. Yes. For both of us. And he just took it upon himself when he got his driver's license. Like he was going to divide up his time between me and his dad. And he just like handled it. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, he just took care of business at a, you know, as soon as he started driving and it was like, okay, he's got this. <laughs> yeah. He worked at a very young age and then, you know, graduated and worked and he had a really good job. He was an extremely hard worker, very mechanically inclined, uh-huh. typical country boy though. You know, he loved to fish and hunt and just very carefree. <laughs> yeah. Because you're very from Louisiana, right? Louisiana, yes. In a very, uh-huh. very small town way down south, okay? So where we live, everybody knows everybody. Uh-huh. Everybody knows all of your business. <laughs> yeah. And he was, so everybody knew him and he was good. And he just, he did his thing and he got this job and then he got hired on with the company and he was just doing so well. Yeah. And he was just content. And he was still yeah. living here with me. Um, He was 21. And he was doing good. He kind of talked about, you know, eventually moving out, which I was getting a little sad about. But <laughs> right, right. But I, you know, I understand. And so um, that was something that was on his agenda. Where was he working at that point? He worked at a, a place called Texas Brine, like as in uh-huh. Brine. Um, it probably was about 30 minutes from the house. Okay. Even closer to his dad's house. So... He would just, he would go to work and he would have the, okay, well, these two nights I'm staying at my dad's and then he'll come over here and, and I always make sure to cook him supper and fix him his plate for work and, you know, all the stuff that mamas do. Yeah. Care of his laundry and all that kind of stuff. He just was really just low maintenance, just did his thing. He didn't really care what people thought. He literally just lived his life. Almost like I think, did he know something was going to happen? Like he literally, his one of his friends mentioned that to me, like the way he lived his life was like he had no care or he didn't care. He just would yeah. go for it. He was a daredevil. He didn't really have much fear about anything, <laughs> which is good and bad. Yeah, you're right. That is good and bad. Yeah. And he just, there was no fear at all about anything. And he just rolled with the punches and did his thing and he just was I thought at the time I'm like he's living this great life right now he's 21 years old and he's just he's he's doing everything correctly you know and it was going really really well you know and they always say to live each day like it could be your last right I try to do that now mm -hmm. right you know I feel like we just don't know tomorrow we don't know in the next hour really no so so I, I do, I am glad that that's the way, you know, that we remember him and that he did that because it was just like, he didn't miss a beat. Yeah. If, you know, if there was something going on, he was there. He was not missing it. <laughs> and, uh, but he was responsible too, you know, he helped me at the house. He went to work. He helped his dad. He did so much hunting. I mean, he's killed so many deer. That was just like something he's been doing for so long. He killed his first one when he was five years old and never looked back. I mean, he just really, really enjoyed that. He enjoyed riding his side-by-side, the four-wheelers, all that kind of boy yeah. stuff. You know, he really embraced that kind of stuff and just loved it. Just anything outdoorsy. Yeah. 
He just liked to be doing just stuff like that. He was content, he and his friends. And he just, he really never gave me any trouble. Yeah. Like he never was in trouble. I mean, I would have loved him just the same if he did, but he didn't. It, it was just never that I have to worry. He wasn't in trouble. I just worry about him hurting himself. <laughs> well, it's so funny because because sometimes when you hear of these kids who like live each day to the fullest and live each day like it's their last, they live a really high risk kind of life, you know, mm-hmm. that and make decisions that are not smart for them. Exactly. But it doesn't sound like he he was the kind of guy that was making real s- dumb decisions, though, either. I mean, he was responsible. Oh. He always told you where he was going to be if right. at your house or his dad's house. It wasn't like he was carefree mm-hmm. to the point where he wasn't thinking about thinking ahead and being responsible. That is very correct. He had a very good head on his shoulders. Yeah. I, I always called it like street smart, you know, uh-huh. like he had the common sense just that. I was so glad he had that. Like he handled himself well and carried himself well. And like exactly what you said, but I didn't have to worry. Like I think you do worry about your kids, you know, that they're just going to make a stupid decision or mistake. That's going to be an issue. But he pretty much, you know, he didn't do that. He, I found his, he had a really good head on his shoulders and he just was, he was planning too. like, he was like, you know, I'm like, he bought a truck and he was like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pay off my truck and then I'm going to look at getting somewhere, you know, a home. And he he was very good about his money, handling things, not going crazy with it. He, he was really managing everything really, really well. I was yeah. so proud of him. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was great. He was good. I mean, it just sounds like he was living his best life, right? Mm-hmm. That's actually the phrase that I use often, that Cole was living his best life. Oh, absolutely. I 100% think so. That's awesome. That yes. Great. Mm-hmm. So do you want to go into now and talk a little bit about what happened to Cole? Sure. Yes, I'm going to try to keep it together. If you don't, that's fine. That's all right, right? I cry all the time, so no worries. <laughs> I, I know you understand exactly. So April of 21, so it's about a little over two and a half years ago. It was actually Holy Thursday night. The next day was Good Friday, so Cole was going to be off for of work. I was off for of work. So normally it was his, he was going to be coming to my house. So normally he would leave work and he would come straight here. But for some reason that particular night, he stopped at his dad's first uh-huh. and he texted me and he said, don't worry about me for supper. I'm going to eat at my dad's. And uh-huh. I said, okay, no worries. And then he was going to come here after. So he came here and it was just a normal, I didn't have any normal that not more than the normal worry you would have when your children are going somewhere. Nothing was yeah. bothering me. You know, he just came in. We talked a little bit. He went to take a shower. He got dressed. He was going out. He was very good about not drinking and driving. So he had said he was going about maybe 30 minutes from home, but he said he was going to sleep at someone's house. So I was like, okay, cool. We talked, of course, typical mama fashion. You know, I walk him out the door and I keep on following him down the driveway. Yeah. Yeah. So we chatted a bit. I had just installed cameras a few months before. So I had all of our conversation recorded. Wow. And he was asking me, um, what are we doing tomorrow, which was Good Friday? And what are we doing for Easter Sunday? So we talked about that. He got in his truck and he drove off. Mm-hmm. And I was very at ease that night. I, I didn't have anything bothering me at all. So I went to bed. And normally when Cole was coming back home, you know, 
if it's about just say 2 a.m. and so forth, you know, I'll call and say, hey, you know, what's going on or whatever. But he had told me he was sleeping somewhere else. So, but I also knew that if Cole could get a ride home to sleep in his own bed, that he was going to do that as well. So at about, it was a little after 2.30 in the morning. And I just want to mention this because I think it's very important. Of course, I hadn't known anything had happened. And Cole called me, Ma. That's, you know, that's what he said. And I looked up in the hallway because I thought he was standing there because he said, Ma. And I looked and he wasn't there. And it wouldn't have been unusual for him to have found a ride home. And so I just, I kind of was like, that was weird, but I didn't get, it didn't bother me. And about, I can't remember the exact time. I don't know if it's five, five thirty in the morning, something like that. My phone went off and I had a private message on Facebook from a friend of Cole, an acquaintance more, let's say. And he says, I'm sorry for your loss. If you need anything, let me know. And what? I'm like, yeah, it was really horrible. And I was out of a dead sleep, you know, and I'm like, honestly, the first place my head went was like, have we had anyone like that would have passed recently? And he's just finding out, like, you know, like, yeah, I'm, no, like, this is so weird. And, you know, and so I kind of like I get up and I grab the phone and and I'm and I'm looking at the message and I immediately go to the little boy's Facebook page. And he's got a picture of him and my son years back and says, fly high or or something to that sort. What? And when I tell you, there's not much, it gives me the chills to this thing. There's not much I remember after that. I was by myself and I think I probably, I think I passed out. I think is what happened. Yeah. And I call the little guy. And I was, I remember being in my kitchen screaming on the phone, asking him what happened to my baby. And he said, Miss Tootie, I'm so sorry. I thought the troopers had already contacted you. And I, there was no words, you know? Right. I hung up and I, I don't remember some of the moments that happened after that. I do remember like frantically, you know, pacing in my house, but you still don't want to believe it. Sure. And I imagine you were trying to call him, right? Yeah, I called his phone. Because I I just wanted to hear Cole's voice and just answer the phone. And I could breathe and say, it was a mistake. It wasn't you. Or mama, I've been in an accident, but I'm okay. You know? Yeah, right. And so I called my ex-husband. And I kind of was frantic telling him, you know, everything. Just rambling. And he said, basically, you know, calm down. It's probably just a mistake you know, and stuff yeah. like that. And I called our local sheriff's office. I, I just didn't know what else to do. Right. And of course, when I told them who I was living in such a small town, even though the troopers were handling the accident, because I didn't mention that, but it was an accident. I'm sorry. I'm kind of all over the place. No, that's okay. They put me on hold and they came back and they said, we're going to have someone call you back. So then I know if you're not going to tell a mama that her child's okay to relieve her and then say, we're going to have somebody call you back. I knew it had to be true. And then my ex-husband called back and he was crying and he said, it's true. Wow. And one of the first responders had got in touch with his boss who drove to my ex-husband's house and 
that's kind of how everything went down. So as if it's not traumatic enough, that was how I find out. Wow. So that was why I wanted to mention the part about Colby in the hallway saying ma, because when I figure out the time, that was about 30 minutes after the accident happened. Really? Yeah. And they told me that he was killed instantly and he didn't suffer. He actually was a passenger. So he went out to a bar. They were at a bar. They were drinking. And he got in the vehicle with a mere acquaintance. I mean, not somebody we knew. Somebody actually from another state who was just living here. But in cold fashion, you know, it was okay because he never met a stranger. Yeah, right. So he knew this fella, but it wasn't really one of his really good friends, you know. Right. So he got in with the guy. And what I'm being told is that they were traveling at a very high rate of speed. And the guy who was driving lost control. And it was very bad, obviously. Cole was a very small frame fella. Yeah. And so um, he had no seatbelt on. They gave me the details later but um one thing they did assure me was that he it was instant and he had not a scratch on him basically it was all internal wow the driver survived that morning getting back to that when the troopers ended up coming here of course i I called my brother i only have one brother um and he lives like almost walking distance from me so i immediately I called him and he answered the phone like this. Is Cole okay? He had heard that there was an accident. So he got over here right away. He was with me. It, it was, it was like just surreal, you know? Right. And he stayed with me and then the troopers came and then he drove to my parents' house, which is only about seven minutes away. And I felt so bad, but he had to go and give them the news. And, you know, typical grandparents. I mean, Cole was basically their child. Right. It was just, very, very traumatic. And even in that turmoil that I was in, I was still worried about my parents getting that news. And then, you know, like you see on TV, you know, they come to your door and they have this plastic bag with your child's belongings in it. And it's just, it's just way too much, you know, (laughs) you just kind of sit around like, and I know that there's just a shock factor, which, you know, I know protects us. And, uh, you know, I read so much after and the shock and just the, I mean, I just was like, and then it hit me about hearing his voice at that time in the morning. And I was like, oh, wow. I wonder if that was him, like, you know, coming to me because he already passed at that time. And it did, it does comfort me, you know? And so time went on that day and, you know, you're so grateful and thankful, but my house was full. I mean, there was nowhere to park. I don't have a huge house. There was like nowhere for people to be anymore. And it was just was, I wouldn't have wanted everybody to leave, but it also was a lot, you know, and there was a point when I just went in my bedroom and I'm like, it's just, you're just cooking around. Like, you can't even believe that this is happening to you. Right. Right. I just couldn't believe that this was happening to me. And I just was, I didn't know what I was going to do. Yeah. I just was, I just was here. I just was here. And, um, you know, that day turned into night and it was just still... It's just so heavy. And in the days after, yeah, I think you just go on autopilot, yeah. you know, to make arrangements and do all these things. I'm like, I think now, how in the heck did I do that? You know, yeah. 
it just it, everything just just was moving and I was just in it and I was very blessed to have such a great support system. I have amazing family. Mm -hmm. I have an amazing significant other that I've been with for a little over 10 years. So Gosh. he, if it wouldn't have been for him, I mean, he was here with me and he kind of took the reins and directed me because he was like, okay, now we have to be here at this time, you know, to go talk to this person. That, and, right. and it helped me, you know, because it's nice to have somebody like that. <laughs> I yeah. needed it because I literally didn't know what time it was, didn't know where I had to go. You know, you go to funerals all the time for other people, but you're surely not planning them for your own child. No. It, it was just, it, I, I just felt like, and I still look back on it and I have to give myself a little pat on the back because I'm like, girl, you did that. <laughs> you know, because I'm like, how did I, how did I do that? How did yeah. I plan my child's services, attend them, and greet the people afterward? How did I do that? But I did, you know, and I just have to think that Cole was with me. I'm glad you're giving yourself a pat on the back for that because you do deserve it. We all deserve it, actually, just by getting by. I think we all do. And through all of my education and reading, I'm just now at a little over the two and a half year mark. I started giving myself some grace. Mm -hmm. I'm just starting to. And it took me that long because I felt like, you know, everybody else has to go on with their life. They don't understand and they can't. And I can't get mad at that. Right. You know, so I understand that as hard as it is for me, this is never going away. Right. But other people have to go back to their lives. And, mm -hmm. and they do not necessarily that they, yeah, they didn't forget. They know when they see me that I lost Cole, but they can't be sympathizing with me every single day. Being my beck and call is just not possible. And I had to, you know, understand that. And Cole's friends, you know, they were amazing, but they were just these young kids. I mean, Cole was only 21 years old, mm -hmm. two months shy of his 22nd birthday. And they were all, you know, I could see that it was very traumatic for them, you know. Yeah, crushing. Mm -hmm. To lose their friend. As much as a parent, you know, I was hurting, but I had to think about them too because they loved him and they come in from such a small town. It's so close-knit. Yeah. The friendships, you know. They really, they, they took it hard, you know. But I have to say that we have all embraced each other and honored Cole, I feel like, really well. Good, good. So it's so funny because Cole's, one of Cole's favorite drinks is Twisted Tea. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I'm not so, really, no. Okay, so <laughs> to the point where like everybody knew it's an alcoholic beverage, it tastes like iced tea, but it's called Twisted Tea. So that day, everybody, you know, went and bought twisted teeth. I mean, I think some stores in our area may have run out. It was just funny that I think back on it. And they had t-shirts made for coal. They had the beer huggies made for coal. And just really everybody just came together and it meant so much to me to have his friends around. Yeah. It does get bittersweet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that's hard. Yeah. yeah. It's just hard. 
it's hard because I never want them to not be around. Mm -hmm. But it's also very hard to sit back and look at all of them talking, especially when they're all talking with my dad. Yeah. And my son's not there. But then I have to remind myself and say, yes, he is just in a different way. Right. You know, it's kind of what I tell myself. Yeah, we just visited Andy's best friend because Peter had a college visit to Michigan State University. Oh, okay. We saw Andy's best friend in his dorm. He showed Peter his dorm room. And I mean, it was good to see him. But that was hard. It was hard. It's hard. Because I feel like, you know, Andy could have been the roommate in that room. And should have been instead of there being just a stranger that he was sharing his room with. And yeah, it's it's just it's tough to watch them grow up when yours doesn't and do these milestone kind of things. Mm -hmm. And right, right, and right now, like a bunch of Cole's friends are getting engaged. Yeah, one of his really good friends is going to be having a baby in a couple of months, and I'm so happy for them. Yeah, right. But it's it's hard you know that my child's not going to get to have and do those things and also just that he can't be here physically while they have those moments to share right right you know it's not just you know about Cole not be able to get married have babies but that him just to be here that he could be that uncle you know or that godfather or you know so to speak so yeah That kind of is hard, but just when I think back about everything, I always say it seems like yesterday, yet eternity Right. that this happened. I'm sure you can relate to that. I can absolutely relate to that. Yeah, it's like because people will ask it, I'll say it's both. Yeah. It really is both. Every day is both. You know, because you, you know, and, you know, I walk in my house and, you know, it's like clothes everywhere. It's like I look for him and then I try to like, you know, what I was cooking last night. I'm like, he's probably right here while I'm cooking this, you know, and I have his stuff everywhere. For me, that's important. My ex-husband, you know, he kind of dealt with things like he didn't want to do that. And I told him it's not a right way or a wrong way. Right. I mean, you got to do. And I, that's another thing I had to learn. I have a lot of things I had to learn. And I have plenty I still have to learn. Yeah. But, you know. Is just for me, I like to keep his memory alive. Well, it's funny how you said it. It feels like a, you know, yesterday and eternity all at the same time. Because I interviewed a woman a long time ago and she, her son died and a neighbor walked up, an older woman walked up and she had had no idea she had lost a son. And she said, when did you lose your son? And I can't remember her words exactly, but it was like 20 years ago two months ago and last week uh an hour ago or something like that it was like 20 years to two months to two minutes or I don't I can't remember what it was yeah but I thought and that's right and that's what it is because sometimes you realize it has been 20 years and the same second it can feel like it was just yesterday 100 percent I honestly feel that that's exactly what it is every day. And just like some days are a tad bit better than others, some are like way worse than others. And I had to accept that part that I don't get to choose all the time, 100%, let's say, how my day is going to be or my morning's right. going to be. And 
I got to roll with it. You know, it's like the waves, you know, you yeah. just, and I got to go. And sometimes I'm just a mess. And uh, that's just the way that it is, you know. And some days I feel like, hey, I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I don't forget that this happened, but I'm, I'm doing pretty good today. I'm, you know, I'm getting through and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And it can go away in five minutes. It can. It can. I want to go back to something that you said quite a long time ago because I actually wrote it down because it hit me okay. so hard and I, I rarely do that. So wow. you were talking about that first little bit of time, that first day, even when all of those people were at your house and you said, I was just here. That's exactly. all I was. I was just here. Yes. I, I just want you, I, I just felt like that was such a profound statement. And I think back and that's right. That is what you are. Like the house is, is bustling and there are people everywhere, but you're just existing. And that's all that you're able to really do. That's a good word. I was just existing. Yes. Yeah. Well, it, it was like, I just sat here while people came in and out, mm-hmm. you know, they brought food, they brought, you know, the typical, which is, I'm so appreciative. Don't get me wrong. I mean, right. I, you know, I mean, it had been a sa- even a Saturday if no one showed up at my house, you know, right. you just gone through the motions, uh-huh. like just going and, you know, and everybody was, they just here to help. And they, thankfully, they cannot relate. Right. And, you know, I've said that to people plenty of times when they say, I can't imagine. I said, no, you can't. And I hope you never have to know. Yeah. You know, yeah. because I, even I remember before losing Cole, I remember saying, how does somebody lose their child? Like, I wouldn't even, I remember saying this by my own self. I said, I wouldn't be able to breathe. Right. I wouldn't be able to wake up in the morning. I said that, mm-hmm. not thinking, you know, and I was like, I don't know how these mamas do this. Right. And now I have people telling me, I don't know how you do it. And normally my response is, I don't either. Right. I'm still large. That's a great response because we don't. I know. But you don't really have a choice. No. Well, that's another thing. I'm like, you don't have a choice. It's not like someone came down and said, hey, I'm going to swoop down and take your child tomorrow. You know, no, nobody comes ask for your permission. And nobody, like I said, either, you don't get an instruction manual when this happens. You know, there are no rules. There's no guide. This is thrown on you. It was just so tragic. It's like just thrown at me. Like, here you go. And I just had to, like, just kind of sit there in it. And honestly, in my whole, I'm 43 years old. I was 41 when this happened. And in all those years, I had never in my life been through something so traumatic. You know, of course, because losing a child to me is the worst possible event that anybody is going to go through in life. I've said that many times. So it was a pain that I will never be able to describe totally to anyone, uh, as you understand. Mm-hmm. No. I have never felt that before. I didn't know what to do with it. I knew I couldn't fix it. There was no light at the end of the tunnel. It was here, and I was going to have to sit with it and live with it 
And I just felt like I was going crazy, really. Yeah, right. I did. And I'm like, I'm going to lose my doggone mind over here. And so I immediately, I say immediately, I don't remember exactly, but it was a short time after everything was done. I just decided that I had to, I had to get on it. I had to help myself. I was grasping at straws. Like I was looking for an ounce of anything. Mm -hmm. And I was like, where am I going to find it? I live in this small town. Yes, there's people who have lost their children. But what, like, I just didn't know what to do. Right. You sound very much like me. I was that way too. I felt like I needed to do something, but I just didn't know what to do. Yeah, I just, and I'm like, who, like, nobody's going to come walk in here and tell me what to do. Like, right. I have to, so basically, people don't understand when I said I was alone, I wasn't discounting the support mm -hmm. in the family and the friends and the comfort that I had. What I meant was I'm alone in this. All of you people standing around me do not know exactly what I'm going through. Right. You can't. So I have to kind of go through this alone, you know, as far as me taking the wheel and saying, I'm going to do something. So, you know, I start, you know, I ordered some grief books. I started reading. Mm -hmm. I got to be honest. I probably didn't remember the first book I even read because I just was, I couldn't get it together. It was hard to read. I, th I think it was hard to focus to read. Correct. I couldn't sit still. I'm going coach wrong. And when I would go in coach wrong, it's still today. Like as that's why I talked about you in Andy's room. It's my place. Yeah. It's still very sacred to me. You know, I sleep in his bed a lot of times. I, you know, different things mean a lot. So I would try to go read in there. And so I started doing that. I decided I had a full-time job. And I don't, I don't really recall how long it was afterward. I tried to go into work. And my boss, I have an amazing boss, thankfully. And he met me, you know, outside. And I don't think I lasted an hour. Yeah, And I left and I went home. And then I tried again. <laughs> and after about two or three days of trying, one day I just literally walked in and walked back out. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, really thinking like, so what am I going to do? I have to work, yeah. you know, but how am I going to go to work? So I was like, you know what? I'm going to have to take a leave of absence. That was the first step I made for me. You know, it. I can't think about anything else. I have to do a leave of absence. So I called and I got on the phone. And so it was 12 additional weeks from all the weeks. I had been out many weeks. So it ended up being where Cole's accident was April 2nd. And I didn't turn, return to work until late August. Okay. But I made a deal with myself that if I was going to take that time off, it was not going to be for me to lay on the couch and cry every day and feel sorry for myself and do nothing. So I use that time. And and look, I live in South Louisiana, as I mentioned, and it is so hot and humid in the summertime, okay? <laughs> I'm sure. But I was like, I've got to move. So I went and bought me some new shoes, and I would hit the pavement every day, and I would walk in my subdivision. And nine times out of ten, I was crawling while I was walking. But I was like, no, I'm not going to go home because I'm going to cry there too. I felt like the outdoors was good for me. Yeah. And I also felt more connected to Cole because he was so outdoorsy. 
right. And just moving your body, I think, is ends up being good for you. Correct. So I, you know, I got into that. I did. I got into grief counseling. She saw me once a week. I actually still am going. I'm going like once a month now, uh-huh. because you know I wasn't afraid to try anything. I'm like I've, I'm going through the worst right now. There's not something I'm going to do that's going to make it worse. You know, if you don't like it, just don't go back, kind of thing. So I did that. I started meditating. Mm-hmm. I actually still do that. And I still try to do some sort, even if it's 20 or 30 minutes of exercise after work, just for my mind, Yeah, if nothing it's, else. It's so helpful to the mind to move your body. Exactly. And so I took those, you know, that amount of time off of work just to constantly, you know, do things and help myself. I joined a wonderful beautiful group called Helping Parents Heal. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's a private nonprofit. And the reason I wanted to mention it is just in case it can help somebody else. Because mm-hmm. no one else can see if you post or, you know, in the group or anything. And things have to be approved before they allow it to be posted. So I joined that group. My grief counselor told me about it. And so I gradually, you know, would read other people's stories and you know, just different things. And last year, there was a conference in Phoenix, Arizona. And I went, and I just wanted to share that with you and anybody that's going to hear this. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Truly amazing. There were 900, I think, parents there. Really? Yes. There's like, I think, 26,000 in the group right now, which is uh-huh. sad, you know, but... They provided so much help. And I like, you know, it's not based on how your child passed or religion or anything like that. It's just, like you said, it's just here for you in whatever way you need it. Mm-hmm. So I did go to that. It was from a Thursday to a Sunday, all by myself. That's brave. That's brave. I, yeah. <laughs> I met two amazing women who lost their sons. We're still in contact. And registration is going to be coming up for the one next year because it's every other year and I'm going to try to get into it again. And like I said, I just wanted to mention it in case anybody was going to hear this, you know, I was nervous to go, but as I always remind myself, been through the worst. Right. Go for it. Right. Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. That's a good thing to remind yourself. It's a good thing for me to remind myself. I've already been through the worst. So I can do this too. This is going to be easier than that, even if it's hard. That's what I do. I um, I tell myself that a lot of times, like you've been through the worst. So surely, you know, you can do this or you can do that. And so it was very good. And one more person I want to mention, um, not like she knows me personally, but Lisa Bean. Uh-huh. It's, I listened to her when she did the podcast with you because I joined her private group that she has. Right. I read her book. I don't even recall how I found Lisa or anything because in those days, I I don't remember a lot of things, but I remember finding her and being interested at how her approach was, that she has a positive approach that, you know, we can be happy. Yeah. Grief and joy can coexist. We, it's okay. You know, don't, because, you know, the first time I laughed or I smiled, you immediately take a step back and you feel like almost guilty. Right. Yeah, I think we have all felt that. Mm -hmm. Everybody. So I got up with her 
in her group. I've done like maybe two Zooms and I'm trying to work up some courage to do some more. Uh huh. But I'm in that group that she has and I actually found out about you through her. Through her. Okay. Yeah. Through her, you know, Aaron. Yeah. I've been on one of her Zooms before. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I've been a guest of hers and then she's been on my podcast. Yeah. She does great awesome. stuff. So it's that's very how... funny because she's from way north in Canada. Right. And where do you live? I live in Michigan. So I'm between you guys. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I loved, you know, just the, her approach on things. And I read her book and then she was sharing your podcast before she even, I think she's the one how I found out about it. Uh-huh, and then when she, so. yeah. that she would be on there, I remember it. I was like, oh, I'm going to have to make sure I remember this. And I went for a walk in the subdivision and I listened to you and Lisa talk Uh Mm -hmm. and I can only hope to speak as well as Lisa yeah she's great I mean she does great you know and so that's kind of how that came about and then it was just like same thing like we just talked about I go on and I see that you talk to Miles and tell their story and I'm like well I can I can email her because What's the big deal? I, I've been through the worst, right. you know, right. I'm going to be a little right. nervous. I might stumble on my words. And then I started thinking about it and I was like, kind of getting nervous about it. And then I said, if I do stumble or I do cry, it'll just show the reality of what this is really like. Yes. Shows how hard it is. Mm-hmm. Your, your mind doesn't work the same anymore. You forget things that you used to have together. You know, I used to have it all together and I don't sometimes now I was a very organized regimented person and sometimes it just doesn't work out for me and I say hey that's okay you know and and telling our stories really makes us feel so much less alone and part and now you're part of a community so just as you talked about that helping parents heal community and Lisa's community now you're part of the always Annie's mom community too and that I love that. Right. And it just makes us feel so much less alone. And listening to these stories, which I know know you've listened to several now, not just Lisa, you know, it just helps you feel like, okay, I'm okay. Yeah. It, yeah it's not unusual what I'm going through. It's okay. Right. You know? Right. And then also I like to hear about what moms say, you know, something that may have helped them that I didn't try yet, you know, and right. I'm like, hey, let me. You know, I do this Reiki, which is energy healing. Uh-huh. It's something I go do once a month. Okay, do you? You know, I had somebody on the podcast who does that. I have a grief grief Reiki. Mm-hmm. I, I totally, really. She's from California so, or something, so I know she's not the one who does it for you. But. Yeah, and I couldn't believe that, you know, we would even have that. You know, and it's on like 30 minutes from my house, the girl that uh-huh. does it. And I got to know her. And then, you know, you just look at all these relationships that – start because of this it doesn't take the place of the one with your child but you know I didn't know this girl before and now she's kind of like she's my friend right you know and so there's been quite a few people who were just mere acquaintances who reached out to me and that was like surprising because I know it's so hard for people you know because you don't know what to say or do to a mother that lost their child right and I just thought it was very brave of them to reach out to me and just say, hey. Yeah, so brave, so brave. And it's surprising to me how some people sort of just seem to come out of the woodwork and were mm-hmm. not even very close friends and then become close. And then others that you assume will be there forever 
just can't be, you know? And I've had that experience and I've had to let that go as well and get out of my feelings. Right, right. And and that's what I've done. And that's why I worded it like that. I, I don't word it like they abandoned me or they left me in my grave or whatever. They well, just no. can't personally do that. And and others can, you know, it, it it's so funny. I think back to one acquaintance I had and it, it was and then I have a very good friend, Michelle, and she had assumed that this other woman and I were super close friends because she just would show up like at my house after Andy died. She'd just show up and say, we're going for a walk. We're doing this. We're doing that. And so she thought we were really good friends. And I said, not really. I mean, we just kind of did a carpool together, you know, and she went from being someone that I would kind of say hi to in the gym and mm-hmm. do a carpool with once or twice a week to being someone that would just show up at my house almost every day to make sure I was getting up and, you know, not just falling into a slumber in my bed. I mean, it's it's amazing what people do. That is amazing. And I've had more people that have been acquaintances, like you mentioned, that have reached out. That was so shocking to me, but in a beautiful way. Right. Because of like, that's so nice that you had the courage to do that. And like you said, you know, you see me at the grocery store, you say, hey, how's it going? Yeah. But yet people that I used to talk to regularly have really shied away. Yes. And and I get it. I mean, I guess they just, they don't know what to say, what to do. And it's just a, yeah. not a good spot for them. Right. And it's just so scary. And I think even talking to you acknowledges that this is real. And if this is real for you, this could be real for me. And I can't even think about it being real for me. So I'd rather just kind of live with my head in the sand a little bit and not. Mm -hmm. Which I don't think is the healthiest way to live. But, you know, it is what it is. And it's what they can handle. Right. I can't control other people. And I had to get a little selfish and just say, you know what? This isn't about everybody else. Right. It's about me, right? And I it's have about to do you. me. And it's a it's about what we need and we can't surround ourselves with people who can't support us. So sometimes you just have to let some of those relationships go a little bit. 100%. And as sad as it is, cuz it is sad, it's it's just the way it is. It's just reality, right? It is. And, you know, I'm just still navigating and I think I will be a work in progress for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I understand that. You know, it's really funny. By the time this airs, the Andy Larson Memorial Concert will be long in the past. But as we're recording this, it's taking place in just a few days. So it is taking place this coming Tuesday. Oh, wow. And um, we have... It's, it's in a church, and there are 10 seats per pew in the church, and my family will take up eight of them. So it's it's our immediate family, my, my son, my daughter, my foster son, my husband, and me, and then his sister, husband, and daughter, the other one's away at college. So there are eight of us that will be sitting in the front row, but it seats 10. So the director's wife said... So we've got two more seats there. We're going to reserve the front row. Who would you like to sit with you in the front row? Because I think she didn't want me to have to have a stranger in the front row with me, which I don't want to have a stranger within the front row with me. And so I thought, okay, I've got to think about this. Who do I want to sit with me in the front row? And I've got 
you know, still very dear friends, close friends, some I've talked about here on the show. And I think about it. But then what hit me was who I needed to have in the front row are two of the women that have been listeners on the podcast and that have come to the Starlet Support Group and that live like an hour away and are driving. Two bereaved moms. Oh, yeah. I thought, those are the two that need to be in the front row with me. The two that really know this and live this. And it's not additional close friends that I've known for 25 years or, you know, other family members or something like that. Nope. It's going to be those moms. It's going to be those moms that'll be in that front row. So I told them that yesterday. We upgraded their tickets and, and they'll be sitting in the front row. And But it's just the right thing. And it just goes to show how your friendships change so much. And how these other bereaved moms, even though I don't see them that much. I've, mm-hmm. I mean, I've met both of them, obviously. But... But less than five times total in person. I'm sure less than five. But yet, that's who needs to be there, right? Yes, 100%. I think that's amazing. That's beautiful. Well, and they're happy too. And Oh, I'm sure they're. You know, I think they both felt like, well, what's funny is when the one bought the ticket, she said, I ended up buying the tickets for the back because I felt like, well, we're not special. We need to have special family and friends be the ones that are close and and I wrote back there's no one more special to me oh you need to be in the front you don't need to be in the back there's no hiding in the back and I do think that people are sent to us the right people at the right time I I really do believe that you know I really do I do believe in you know of course I believe in the afterlife I mean even before Cole's accident and I think I think it's a big thing that we can't necessarily understand while we're here. Yeah. I think we'll we'll understand one day 100%. Yeah. But I just think that's how I, you know, I honor my son every day. And I think that he's, I used to hate when people would tell me he was in a better place. Yeah. Right. And my response was, no, the best place for him is at home with his mama. Right. Right. I, right. I, was, I you know. know. I was, I was mad. I'm with you. And now I'm like, yeah, I still wish he was here, but I just really feel like that they are in total paradise. Yeah. I do. And, you know, when I thought about you last night, like, I'm like, I'm going to be doing this tomorrow. And like, I'm talking to Cole and I'm like, Cole, I wonder, you know, like all the people I've come in contact with that I didn't know before, like, have you and their children, I know. you know, met up? So I'm like, like, I wonder if Cole knows Andy now. I like know. you know it's so funny because that you say that because you know I'm just obviously thinking so much about this concert and my friend Demetra who I've talked about many many times on this podcast who I've met now one time in person but she lives in Toronto so obviously she cannot come to the concert uh but I was I, I was just on the news today so I sent her the clip of me on the news talking about the concert and um she had said how she wished she could be there but obviously she can't and I started thinking about the fact that you know, she couldn't be there. But I think her daughter, Eleni, I think she will be. Oh, yeah. And then I thought, you know what? I think they all will be. You know, I've interviewed over 200 parents now over these last few years. And I thought, I think all their kids are going to be there on Tuesday. 
I would believe it. I definitely would believe it. I think our kids are amazing. And I think they're full of energy. Yeah. I do. I really do. I just, I really feel like they are just full of, just bursting with energy. And I feel like they're the same people, if not more enhanced, as who they were when they left. Like, you know, I just feel like they stay the same, if not, you know, more. And so I know, you know, I, I feel like I feel my son sometimes. Uh-huh. And I know when you're deep in grief, I had to learn that's so hard. Like you feel like you don't get any sign. Oh, yeah. It is so hard. I felt like all these people are saying this and I don't know if I, you know, and then I started getting more grounded and doing meditation and doing different things. And now I can honestly say, like, I think that was cool. You know, just little things that happen or I feel, you know, and I want to acknowledge that because if he's putting forth this effort, I want him to know that I, that I know about it, you know? Well, and I think even of the two of us here talking right now, I can just imagine, and I don't know that this is happening, but I can just imagine Andy up in heaven going, Cole, 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 come here, come here, come here. Look <laughs> at our mamas. Look it. Look it. You know, and then he'll be like, and you know what? The concert's on Tuesday. You got to come. You got to come watch. You know, I and Cole, just. And Cole's going to be like, yeah, because of course I want to go to that because I never missed a function in my life. <laughs> right. And Andy was always just full of excitement. I just. Oh. Every week, every time I sit here at the computer, I can picture in my mind what he could be doing. That he could be saying, wait, I got to find, I got to find who we're talking about today. Who are we talking about today? Like, okay, and I could come watch, come that watch. That yeah, I could believe that that's really happening. And yeah. I think that's so cool. So I think what you're doing is amazing. So well, props you. to you. I mean, and, you know, that I was able to find out about you with all the podcasts and all the stuff that goes on on social media. I found you. And I got the nudge to send you the email after however long I've been knowing about you. I love that you did. I love that you did. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just a, a normal person, you know, that yeah. it, you know, this... This doesn't happen just to other people now. This happened to me. Right. You know, because that's kind of how we view things in life. You know, you're sad for somebody when tragedy strikes and you go and say you're sorry and you do your part and you pray for them. And then that happened to them. You know, and it's just human nature. We we have to go on. But like now it happened to me. So, yeah, here I am. It happened to me. And now it happened to you. Here I am. So, Yeah. Well, I just loved hearing about Cole today. What a great guy. I love talking about him. And I know I kind of was all over the place, but that's kind of how my brain works now. So I just have to embrace it and say, you know what? This is my new crazy self that's all over the place and talks about something and goes back to something else and then comes back to this. And it's the new me, you know? I am totally comfortable with that. I have no problem with that whatsoever. I'm fine jumping all over the place. That's why I I could never do something that's scripted. It it just that's just not my personality type to have to like follow a script. Not cool. I've tried to do that sometimes when I've given some talks, I've written it all out. And then I realize I'm sort of better if I just kind of wing it. <laughs> and, you know, I, when I had to laugh to myself, because when I thought about it, you say, you know, you'd have to do anything to prepare. And then all I could think about and laugh was like, because this is typical Cole style. Like uh-huh. he would not have a plan. Right. Like, so... I have like and a it, general plan, and and if you you know people that listen know that it follows a general pattern, but there's no specifics, you know, no specifics, nothing. And, so, and I don't make and, some people uncomfortable because some people are planners. So when I write back and say, 
oh no, we're just going to kind of go. They're like, what? I don't get a list of questions? Like, nope, you don't get a list of questions because I don't have a list of questions. Because I just ask what comes to my mind at the moment. And now I'm just like, okay, cool. We're just going to wing it. And I said this morning, I said, you know what? And I talked to Cole and I said, it's just going to come out how it comes out. Yep. And I'm not going to worry myself too much with it. And I love how it came out. I really do. So thank you so much. I hope everybody appreciates it. Um, I appreciate what you do and what everybody else does and all the mamas. And I just want to send as much love and prayers and hugs to you and to all of the mamas that have to that have to live this yeah. you know yeah and that we some kind of way we find the strength and we do it and we're making a difference somewhere so we're gonna keep we on going keep going you keep going. for our children we're gonna keep on going we're gonna give them something to look at <laughs> yep yep that's right well, that's right Marcy it was so nice to meet you and so great to meet you Tootie thank you so much thank you so much Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful and would like to support the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and comment. To help financially, you can type Andy's mom, one word, to the number 53555. This provides a link to GiveButter, which allows donations through PayPal, Venmo, Apple Pay, or credit cards. GiveButter will provide a receipt of your tax-deductible donation. Or you can visit the donation page at andysmom.com donate. Always Andy's Mom is a registered 501c3 and can receive donations through Thrivent Financial and Benevity. Marcy loves hearing from listeners. Please feel free to reach out to her via email at marcy at andysmom.com or on the Instagram or Facebook Always Andy's Mom accounts. Sign up for the email list to get weekly episode links as well as pictures of Marcy's guests and their children. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.